Hello to everybody who wants to claim they didn't make the first move. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. You know, just last night, I uh, met somebody who was a fan of the show, and it was very nice. It always means the world. She said, it's so innovative. And I, I always say it's not innovative. It shouldn't feel innovative. It's a phone call where we talk and we listen. And I think that that is rare these days. But that's something we got to fight against as a community. We got to spread this idea that we'll listen to each other without judgment. Take care of each other. Feel the bravery to open up and feel the compassion to listen. And thanks to everybody who listens. So sincerely. Hey, very last minute booking. If you're in Western Washington, Seattle area, the Thing Festival has booked a live Beautiful Anonymous for this weekend. So if you're uh, heading to the Thing Festival, come say hello. If you're on the fence about going, get that pass, baby. Come on out. I, I believe the live Beautiful Anonymous show is on Sunday night. It's going to be really fun. It's the first live show we've done in a while. And of course, I've been saying on the show, we also have live shows coming up in London and Woodstock, New York and Detroit, Michigan, and then stand up all over opening a second show in Buffalo because that sold out, a third show in Philly, a second show in Asbury Park. Also have shows on sale in Richmond and Baltimore. Meet me. Say hi. I need an uncomfortably long hug. Let's do it. This week's episode, a fascinating one. One of the great love stories I've heard in my lifetime, fiction or nonfiction. I'll put out there that in the first half of the call, there's some really frank talk of life in a, a mental health treatment facility, some very frank talk about eating disorders. Sometimes people want a heads up when those topics are coming. So here is your heads up. A love story unfolds that is so unlikely and that more than anything shows that real life is not simple. Real life is layered. Real life can't be summed up in bullet points. Real life, you just roll with the punches and take what you're handed and you find love inside of it. It's simultaneously sad, yet very funny. Most of all, I think it's hopeful, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Is this Chris? Yeah. Yeah, it's Chris. Um, I am going to, I'm currently watching a little baby. I am going to pick her up and take her hopefully outside as long as it sounds okay. How are you? I'm good. This is our second call of the day, so I feel warmed up. Oh, man. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Getting out of my head a little bit. I was a little depressed before, but the calls always snap me out of it, so feeling good. that's good. I'm sorry you were feeling a little down, but I'm glad you're feeling better. These things happen. These things happen. Yeah. You're watching a baby. How old is this baby? Uh, she is almost 10 months. Almost 10 months. Okay. And if, yeah. I know you're a new father also. Three months. I'm three months yeah. in. And if the yeah. baby makes a bunch of noise, that's okay. Her. Yeah, I figured you would understand. I was just going to say, I started watching her when she was about like three and a half months. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, familiar with the age for sure. How Are, are, you, uh, are you just... Uh, babysitter or nanny or, or what are we talking? I am. Yeah. So I, uh, started working. I'm outside now. So let me know if this sounds bad. Um, I started, I worked at a restaurant, but wasn't making a whole lot of money there. So I started nannying to help with some money. 
Uh, but then things picked up with the restaurant, so I stopped nannying her. And now I just pick up babysitting here and there when they need me. So I still get to see her, which is nice. Got it. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. That's fun to hang out with a baby. Oh, my God. It's the best. It makes you so happy. I'm sure it's different parenting a baby. I'm sure it gets exhausting, but... Oh, it's very exhausting. It's fun. It's so fun and oh, so sure. nice. Even when they poop so much that it shoots up the back of their diaper all the way up to their shoulder oh blades. Oh my god, isn't that so fun? My it's son, crazy. He, I, he pooped on his shoulder blades. How do you poop that much? It's incredible. I mean, it's. I mean, thank God we don't do that still. Like that would be terrible oh. if we all still pooped up to our shoulder blades. Yeah, we'd go so, extinct as a thank species. Thank God they grow out of it. All we'd, we'd yeah. spend all our time cleaning up. And we'd have no time to actually survive as a species. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you for sure, at least my little one has moved on to more solid poops. So you have that to look forward to, hopefully in your near future. Nice. Can't wait for a good <laughs> solid poop. It's not this weird yeah, uh, right? yellowish brown goop. Yeah, it's scary. You're just like, this can't be normal. Yeah. But it is. It's okay. He recently, he didn't poop for 10 days, which I guess is normal for... What child is age? Yeah, yeah they, I guess so. They say because when uh, they say with breastfed babies that they take in every nutrient from the breast milk because it's so efficient, so they don't actually need to poop that much. And then after that, I will tell you, after that ten days, that first poop back was <laughs> yeah. was that a shoulder blade poop? Uh, it was a disaster in every way. I, I, in in <laughs> the places it went, in the uh, in the smells it produced, it was. Oh, no. A beautiful and joyous disaster. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's just, that kind of sums up parenting and babies in the first place, doesn't it? Just a beautiful and joyous disaster. I think so. I think so. Now, yeah. what would you like to talk about today? Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot. I feel like I've been trying to get on the show forever, so I'm super pumped that I'm actually here. Um. Well, it was just my birthday a couple of days ago. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, It was kind of a bigger one for me, not even in terms of like age and stuff. I don't really like get, I don't know, freaked out about that or whatever. But I've actually spent my last two birthdays in residential treatment um, just for like mental health. Oh, wow. Okay. Kind of a... Yeah, it was kind of a cool and crazy experience to actually have a birthday for the first time in like three years outside of a facility and like to be able to celebrate it with friends and family and all of that. That was super exciting. Um, And I actually spent it with my girlfriend who I actually met in treatment, which I know is sometimes frowned upon, um, but we actually became best friends there and uh, had a really solid friendship for about like nine months or so. Um, Neither of us, uh, she's a female, neither of us really even knew that we were gay, let alone attracted to each other. Uh, And yeah, a, a romance kind of formed from that and we are now very much in love. So I got to spend my birthday with her. Wait, wow, wait a second. That's a hell of a story. Okay. First of all, I want to say that the idea of spending two birthdays in a row in a mental health treatment facility is uh, it's not ideal. Sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. I would imagine it creates That's a lot okay. of... okay. Thank you. I would imagine it has to, when as your birthday approaches, uh, 
this year that you mu- there must be some nerves there and I applaud you for uh for having having the birthday sans treatment center. <laughs> now just so I'm clear on the details. Thanks. Just so I'm clear yeah, on the details. Go for it. You met your you met your girlfriend in one of these facilities or in treatment that happened after after one of these trips? No, so in one of these facilities. So um, the last two years, I've kind of been in and out of uh, different settings, I guess, for the last few years. Um, but the last two summers, I spent in like a residential facility for like the entire summer, uh, where like we live there twenty four seven, that kind of deal. So I met her there this past summer, like last year. So you are in? Would you call it a mental hospital? Would you call or just a facility, an out, no, outpatient yeah. facility? No, so kind of um, in between the two. Um, I have been in, I was actually hospitalized, like in an actual hospital um, during that stay, actually last year. But this is more of like a residential facility. Um, So we're there 24-7, but it's a little more like homey, for lack of a better term, not like a hospital and like not that kind of idea of like a psych ward, but um, just like a residential 24-7 kind of deal uh, to like work on mental health stuff. I've looked those up. I've looked those up. So this is one of these places because mm-hmm. I've tried to find on my darkest days, you know, when I'm sitting there thinking, do I have to call somebody? Do I have to call an ambulance? Yeah. On my darkest And I try to look those ones up of like, where are these ones where you get kind of just go maybe go live outside the city for a while and they keep an eye on you and you can yeah. walk around the grounds and just clear your head and turn off your phone and everybody yeah. kind of knows. So it's one of those. It's it's like the one from yeah. from yeah. Bottle Rocket. You ever see that movie, Bottle Rocket? Oh, no, I have not. It's I good. feel like I should, though. Guy starts out living in one of those. So you're living in a facility that's, you're buying some breathing room to focus on your mental health. You've had some stressful yep. times. You can't really deal with it. You are... You befriend a person, you're friends for a long time. You say neither one of you had shown uh, interest in, in in dating people of the same sex prior, and now you are in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, definitely. So she has questioned, I guess, before in the past. She had never even dated anybody before me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just I think, I think... And it's a trap, I guess, I have fallen into also just kind of being like, well, I'm a girl and I'm supposed to like boys. So I kind of think that that was her mentality for a while also. Um, But knowing at least for like a year or two leading up to us meeting that she had questioned it here and there, um, never explored it enough to actually admit that this was like something that she could identify as or that she would even consider dating a girl or anything like that. But just like something that had crossed her mind a few times. and I, on the other hand, had not really ever considered it at all <laughs> until until her, for sure. Wow. Yeah. So when you guys are at a dinner party and somebody says, how'd you meet? <laughs> that becomes, that's the whole dinner <laughs> party. That's the whole dinner party right it, there. Everybody- yeah, we could talk for hours. Yeah, it's like, it's not just like, oh, she came up to me at like a bar or, yeah, like, you know, our, our friends introduced ourselves. Like, we have a. There's a lot of explaining to do for sure. Yeah. Well, we were both really suicidal, and then we fell in love. It was great. So you start talking, and everybody else just kind of shuts up, buckles up. Oh, for sure. Grabs their drinks. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. A true modern love story. I would say that's a modern love story. Is what I would say. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. We're we're super. Uh, I think we're super lucky because I think the uh, quote unquote modern love stories of the day have a lot to do with like online or like dating apps or whatever <laughs> it might be. Which you know, like right, so, yeah, right. if you find your person that way, like more power to you. I love it, but we are. Um, we love the fact that we have a very unique story that not very many people can say right. uh, they have a similar one for sure. Right. So you're like, like, oh, how'd you meet? And the couple next to you is like, oh, actually, Tinder, Bumble. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, oh. Like, I swiped right, and it was like history yeah. from there. <laughs> swiped right, and everybody's like, oh, that's the way of the world these days. And they're like, yeah. And then like, they oh, get to you guys, and you're like, have you ever heard of Bellevue? You ever heard of Bellevue? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I I don't yeah, mean to make fun, but I've been there as well. So I feel Oh my gosh, no. Please. No, no, no. I know that you have, so I I, I completely I'll say if I ever feel like you step over the line, but as somebody who also loves to joke around about it for the healing purposes that come along with that, I I am totally cool with it making light of this situation when appropriate. So, yeah. Well, what else can we do? What else can the people like you and me do except find a way to laugh? Oh, my God. Seriously. My my partner and I were actually literally just talking about that last night. Um, I was just getting weird and emotional and whatever about my birthday, just kind of comparing the last few years to this year just because it was so different. And we had said that, you know, like that was one of the first times that we had both um, – seen it in a more somber way and like a more like, wow, that was really sad that we were both there at this time. And like the things that we had to go through and all of that, because we were usually just like making light of it and joking about it and like talking about all like the funny times that we had together and all of that, because that is, it's, it's how you, uh, it's how you kind of, it's like a survival technic, uh, ta- tactic, I believe, you know? Yeah. It's how you, you get through the day. To, how do you get exactly. through the day? Now, can yeah. I, I'll ask a sensitive question. Since I already feel, you know, we're 10 minutes in, I feel very comfortable with you. I hope you feel comfortable with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I know that for a lot of a lot of people that perhaps unanswered questions about sexuality might, in, in a society that especially oppresses people, marginalizes, mm-hmm. that that might be something that ties into maybe some depression or some questioning or some mm-hmm. instability. Do you feel like coming to these realizations about yourself and in your girlfriend's case it sounds like maybe embracing some thoughts that had been there for a while do you feel like they helped in that area um yeah so i i have thought about this quite a lot you know and and i know that in some people's cases it really is that suppression of like you know who you truly are which you know your sexuality and who you're attracted to and who you love is like a big part of that um is kind of at least a portion of what can feed into those feelings of like feeling super depressed and like really down on yourself. Um, I don't know if I think that my, like, I don't think that I identify strongly enough with this idea of being gay. I think for me, it's more so just the person um, mm-hmm. and just my person just happens to be of my same sex. Um, so I don't necessarily believe that whatever suppression, if there even was any, um, is necessarily like a factor into what brought me to how down I was. 
Um, but what I think I can speak to is just that I have had a very hard time with relationships and connecting to people and feeling like loved and cared for, I think is really my core, um, I guess, like what you can kind of bring a lot of my, um, my like mental health issues back to. So I think in hindsight, um, it's more so about just like not finding a person um, and not having somebody to connect to and that loves me in the way that I have needed to be loved and wanted to be loved. Um, and I think now having her in my life and having like my person and feeling very much cared for and loved for one of the first times in my life, um, I think is what is now helping me come out of my depression and my, you know, mental health, um, like issues, I guess. Uh, so I think in a weird indirect way, yes, but I don't think that it's necessarily the actual sexuality mm. part of things. It's if more, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. So you feel, you feel like in the past year you've been able to accept love and accept that you're deserving of love yes. and find it and be happy yes. with where it's coming from. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you're lucky for sure. Another sensitive question, but I'm ge- I genuinely want to know the answer. When you celebrate, yeah. when you celebrate your birthday in a mental health facility, do they get you a cake? Yeah, yes, they do. They do. I'm surprised. They do. We just, I know. So they uh, they make sure they know everybody's birthday, and they have these like minutes, I guess, that they like send out to the whole campus, and the kitchen gets it also, so they know when it's people's birthdays, and they. They send down um, this really tiny cake, and it's kind of sad, and it's definitely, like, store-bought from some, like, supermarket, but it's better than nothing. You don't get candles or anything, because I guess that's dangerous. <laughs> oh, so oh the unspoken. I that's so a, that I know. <laughs> oh, that's such a sad Isn't image. Isn't that kind of sad? The unspoken, because I'm so, sure I mean, nobody mentions it, but it's like, hey, we can't. Uh, no, nobody does. The unspoken. Yeah, we all know that, like, we can't have candles. We can't have anybody grab so one of these open flames. So then you just, like, awkwardly sit there. Like, nobody really loves getting, like, saying happy birthday to you. Like, we all know it's, like, an awkward experience, but at least at the end of it, it's, like, you blow out the candles and it's like, yay. And then, you know, to cut the cake. But yeah. in this situation, you just kind of like sit there Do and they... everybody sings happy birthday really awkwardly. And it's like, everybody knows that you're kind of sad that it's your birthday too. And there are no candles. So then it's like done and you're just like, thanks guys. And oh. then like, that's it. Yeah. I have to say. I did have, and, and oh, no, what? Go please ahead. go for it. You did have what? Well, I was just, I was just going to say I did have, and this is one of those moments that, like, I remembered it yesterday. And, like, looking back, it's probably one of the saddest things in the world. But at the time, it, like, really meant the world to me. Um, but a uh, one of the therapists or specialists that I worked with there um, found out that it was my birthday. And she, um, she drew me a birthday cake on a piece of paper and drew candles and then sang happy birthday to me and then made me, like blow out my paper candles like this drawing of a cake and it's like the saddest thing when I think about it like looking back like how sad we were sitting on the floor and I was like crying and she was like blow out your candles and I had to like make a wish and everything and at the time it was like so sweet that like somebody took their time to like draw me a birthday cake and sing happy birthday and like cared about me that much for those like couple minutes but looking back I like that makes me want to cry like that's the saddest thing in the world was your wish I wish I wish there were candles 
Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I should have. I wonder if it would have came true. It I, definitely wouldn't have, but maybe. I gotta say that my heart bleeds for you. Nobody should be in that position, but you're yeah. out on the other side, which makes me very happy for you. And in a weird way, even though I don't know you, you, proud of you, proud of you. Oh, um, but thank I will. That story is so sad. That yeah, I wonder if you are you the same way as someone who has gone to very dark places. Some it's it's like hearing a sad song, where there's a certain yeah. level of you're able to describe the situation that I can see and feel so vividly that I get to live in it a, a little bit. And in a way, in a way it, it, it washes over you in a positive sense of, Oh, right. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You, yeah. When you hear oh one of those God. stories or one of those songs. Wow. Thank you. That actually, uh, that <laughs> really means a lot to me because I, I feel as though you have definitely been, a. Uh, one of those stories or songs in, in my life, definitely, like, throughout throughout the years. So ha- that definitely means a lot. Happy to help. Even though it weighs on my soul yeah. sometimes, I'm happy to help. The image of a bunch oh. of people who are patients at a facility singing happy birthday, the awkward moment of no candles that everyone knows is rooted in the general fear that none of these people can be trusted with open flame right now. God bless them. And then you're all like, well, at least I got part of the Entenmann sheet cake that was bought at the local (laughs) stop and shop. Exactly. Beautiful. A beautiful yet sad story. Are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. But in general, it sounds like you're feeling good. It sounds like you're feeling better at least. Oh, my God. I feel like one of the luckiest people in the world for sure. Um, Like I said, I've been in and out since I was – in and out of treatment centers, not necessarily residential, but just different types of things uh, since I was 18. So to be going through like years of in and out, it gets to you after a while. And I know that, um, I know I'm sure you can kind of like relate to just like that feeling of just like, oh, like not this again. Like I cannot believe that like this is still happening to me. Um, And I went to the residential center two years ago and was there for months. I mean, the average stay there is like three or four weeks, uh, which is absurd to me, but that's insurance for you. Um, and I, my first time there, I was there for three and a half months. And my second time there, I was there for four and a half months. So, um, I mean, speaks to one, how fortunate I am in terms of insurance, but also just how bad things were. Um, and just going back that second time was just, it killed me, honestly. Like it was just, I couldn't believe it. Like, and I just, I had no hope for myself for the longest time that there was, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, this just keeps happening to me that like, this is just probably who I am now. And like, that's just the life that I have to either accept that I'm going to live or choose not to live it anymore. Um, So just the fact that I even feel an inch better than I did at that time, let alone like a mile now, um, I I know that I'm one of the lucky ones that like made it out on the other side and am feeling a lot better. And it's, uh, I am truly in awe, honestly, that even like as somebody who doesn't like to be proven wrong about a lot of things, uh, this is one thing that I am so very fortunate and lucky and happy to be proven wrong about because every single day still I get like shown that I am happy to be on the other side and that, I was wrong about what I thought my life could be and what it can be and what I deserve it to be and all of that. So um, I am very grateful (laughs) for what my life is right now. And I even have hope that it can just 
only go up from here. What a beautiful thing to say. Hearing four months, <laughs> three months, and four months, this is really serious. This is, yeah. And your insurance covered that. Your insurance helped you out with that? Yeah. Woo. Yeah, I mean, with for that alone, I know I that, that in itself makes me one of the lucky ones, for sure. I mean, I saw people there for like, a week and a half or two weeks and then insurance would kick them out. So, and how does anybody get better with that? Um, so just for the amount of time that I was allowed to stay there and to heal and get better, that in itself is, is such a gift. And I got super lucky and, and I also worked my ass off and <laughs> I got here to where I am today. Yeah. Wow. Let's pause there. Cause I think we got to just take a second to say, a rare positive experience with American health insurance. This is not the usual dialogue that comes out. Listen, I've broken the momentum. We got ads. Check them out. Use the promo codes. It really helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks to our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. That in itself is, is such a gift and I got super lucky and and I also worked my ass off and <laughs> I got here to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of hard work. It does. And you know one thing I've always yeah. said, I wonder if you would say this is true too. It's that you feel these emotions in such amplified ways. This dark stuff feels so inescapable. And mm -hmm. you want, you know what I mean? Months, months of hands-on treatment and people keeping a watch over you just so you can find some stability again because these feelings are weighing down so hard on you. One of the things that I feel so grateful for, because I have, I have bad days still. I'm having, I've been having a bad day today, I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But one of the things yeah. I, w I wonder if you would agree is like our senses are not dull, you and I. And that when you, mm -hmm. when you come out on the other side of it and you are able to let that go, you can also find such immense joy in other things. And I, I always find myself yeah. grateful for that of small things. I get the sense that small things weigh down on me more than they do other people. But then on the other side of the mm -hmm. coin, small things make me happier than other people like yes there is a certain sense in which i feel grateful that i get to feel my emotions as big as i do mm -hmm. yeah yeah i could not agree more i think that i am uh i think just as it just in general i'm a very uh overly like sensitive person which i have come to really love about myself and I, it's for that reason specifically that like yeah i have felt probably the darkest and worst feelings a human being can probably ever feel. Um, and with that, and because of that, I also feel the lighter things and the happier things in a much stronger way than the average person maybe feels. Um, and just, yeah, appreciate the little things. I mean, especially where I was, um, I mean, the, there's the whole camp is a big campus and a bunch of different lodges and different things like that. And, 
um, you know, you get to like go to the dining hall and go to the art building to do art. And there's all these different things. Um, and at the same time, there are also uh, precautions that you can be put on if you, if they deem that you're a little more unstable or unsafe than other people. And uh, there were precautions that I was put on. I think the longest period of time I, I was on the precautions, I think more often than not when I was there. Um, and there was one period of time where I was, I was on them for like six weeks straight. Um, and I mean, you get pretty much everything taken away from you. Uh, you can't go outside. You can't leave the building at all. Uh, somebody's checking in on you every 15 minutes or you can't be out of their sight, depending on like which level of the precautions you're on. And, and there are just, there are so many things that get taken away. You can't go to like art. You can't do all the things that the other residents are doing because of, because of this. And that gets to you for a while, you know, like you just can't even be like a human being and get like fresh air and all of this. But I mean, with that, it has made just like the simple act of being able to like walk out of my house whenever I want to, and just like take a walk at any time of the day, whenever I want, or, you know, like do art freely or go to my favorite restaurant and get food. You just any little thing. I just feel like I can't take anything for granted anymore because I had so much taken away from me at the time. And, and now I just like, I feel so lucky sometimes just to be like, like when I walk to work, I just close my eyes and like look up and just be like, this is a privilege that I got taken away from me. Like this is a privilege that I get to be like walking to work right now and be outside. Um, so yeah, it really does just make the little things just so much richer and better just because you know that, it's the little things that get taken away from you when you're feeling the worst things. I've come so close to being in these facilities and being in hospitals. Mm -hmm. And I've never, I've never actually gone. There's been, I would say sometimes when I should have, when I should have gone up there and I, and I pushed through in a way that was probably not safe or, uh, you know, or that was rather foolish. I do have questions. Do they let you wear your own clothes? Yeah. Do they let you wear your own clothes at yeah. one of these facilities? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so they send you before you go, they send you a little list of like how many items they think that you should bring and what's allowed and what's not allowed. So yeah, you get to, um, you get to pack a bag and bring your own clothes and everything, but there's restrictions. Like you can't have, you can have shoes with shoelaces, but you can't have like drawstring shorts or pants, like, things that have strings in them you can't have you can't have belts like different there are there are restrictions to what you can and can't bring um a lot of like um like makeup products or or like just um like lotions and stuff you have to make sure that they don't have certain ingredients in them uh just if they're like if they have alcohol in them and stuff like that um so yeah there are some restrictions but for sure you can you can wear your own clothes how's the food um you know surprisingly not terrible like for for somebody who had so they the the menu it was like on a three week rotation I think so for somebody who had the same meals like for four almost five months um, I I didn't really get sick of them you had some options and stuff which was nice um, but I think it was halfway decent food you know it wasn't like gross hospital food or anything like that so we got pretty lucky with that. Okay. Is you every- can't have coffee though, which uh, was a bummer for sure. No coffee. Why not? Yeah, you can have like one. You can have like one cup in the morning, um, and then 
that's it. You can have decaf throughout the day, but not throughout the day, only at certain times, like during meals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there's just, like, people who can abuse caffeine and stuff, so right. that's restricted also. Is everything contained on the facility, or are there ever field trips? Ah, there used to be field trips. The first time I was there, we did um, little field trips, uh, mainly, so one of the, I was there for a, a few different things. So the facility I was at covered um, a lot of different diagnoses and things. It wasn't just meant for, like, one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, you know, a, a wide range of people. Uh, one of the things I was there for was uh, an eating disorder. So the first time I was there, um, we got to do little, like, they called them, like, what was it, like, food discovery, I think. So they would take us to, like, a restaurant or, like, Chipotle or something like that as kind of this, like, challenge for us to, um, you know, continue working on, like, normalizing food and things like that. Uh, so that's something we used to do, and then they uh, they took it that away. <laughs> so we didn't get to do it the second time I was there. So when you show so up... No I got to go to the doctor once. When you show that up fun. that second oh, yeah. year... Oh, I'm about to make a bad joke. I, but Do it, do it, go. Like, when you make up... When you show up that second year, are you like, wait, no fucking Chipotle? What's this bullshit? Yeah, I'm like, count me out. I'm like, I came for the free Chipotle, and if that's getting I'm done. You're like, wait, I came. Well, my burrito bowl. I got the guac. Even you I got the, the guac. guac. You got the guac. I know. And you go with and the... They were so proud of me too. They were like, "Look at you getting the extra food," and I was like, "I know, it's free. Why wouldn't I?" You went with the guac, but not the second time. But you went with a bowl. You didn't get that wrap. You didn't get that burrito wrap. You went with uh, the yeah. Bowl. Okay, well, I'm a bowl girl, and then I get the tortilla on the side, so I can, like, Ooh. pick and choose, mm. you know, do a little halfies, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for. So you almost use but it I as, like the option. You almost use it as sort of like a pita or a naan, where you can tear off pieces. Yeah, and... yeah, wow. exactly, and, like, you, like, scoop a little piece in and then just take a bite of it. Hmm. I have a very... St- I like options. I will say there's many places in the world where I have extraordinarily rigid and standard ordering practices and Chipotle is one of them. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell oh, is yeah? another. Yeah, I've... Oh, my God, yeah. I have put in... Yeah. I'm not kidding when I tell you that I have put in these... Any time I have stepped foot in a Taco Bell starting in 1996 <laughs> to mm-hmm. now, 2019, I have ordered mm-hmm. literally the same exact thing. Oh my god! For twenty three years. Which, wow, tell, that's impressive. I'm not gonna lie. Even with like all the new stuff that they come out with, I ignore all of it. That. I ignore all of it. I get two bean wow. burritos. I get one order of nachos with cheese, and then here's where I really baffle myself because I don't do this anywhere else. Anywhere else? Okay. I put. I get a soda, and I mix half Pepsi and half Mountain Dew. Don't know why. <laughs> and you only do it at Taco Bell. Only at Taco Bell. I, I've gotten that order since I was 16 years old, and I continue, continually do it till this day. I will not eat anything I else mean, at Taco Bell between now and the day I die. That is my order at Taco Bell. I respect it. I do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, like you're a man who knows what he wants. Thank you. I'd like to think that, but... If I'm being honest, it really only applies to ta- it, oh, Taco Bell is one of the only areas of life where I can confidently say I'm a man who knows what I want. Most, I would say almost every other area of life, I'm defined by my inability to figure out my place mm-hmm. and role. 
Yeah, the well, that's why I respect it because I am so indecisive and I have like no idea what's going on ever and just like panic at everything. So mm-hmm. to have such like a just like a confidence about you when you go in, like you know what to order, that's I respect it. Yes. Now I will say that Jared just sent me a message on our computer. He's not mad. Oh yeah. He's just curious. Oh no. He is. He is curious if your number pad is open because when you listen back, you will hear. And I don't want you to feel insecure about this. An unusual number of times that you've pushed numbers with your face. And I I know Jared well enough to say. I know Jared well enough to say that this is not making him mad, but that the the engineer and producer in him. Cannot handle, cannot handle, at the very least, not asking. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me see if my keypad's up. Yeah, maybe you got the keypad up. No, it's not. What's wrong with me? Oh, my God. Nothing's wrong with you. Hold on. Based on what we've been talking about thus far, the first half of this call makes it necessary for me to jump in and say nothing's wrong with you. And then when I hear you say the phrase, (laughs) what's wrong with you, that I feel honored bound to jump in and say nothing is. You're perfect. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I have no idea what that is. I'm so sorry because that bothers me. Like when I listen back to call or when I listen to this podcast, that bothers me. So I'm very sorry that I no no am contributing I, to that I, frustration. I do just want to say he's listening right now. If, any future callers, oh, yeah. if you Jared. ever any future callers, if you want to make a game out of your call, you can legit just call up and keep pushing number buttons, and Jared will eventually. <laughs> Lose his mind and punch through the glass in between us with his fists. It'll make those spider cracks. Oh my gosh. Eventually burst through well, like really the Kool Aid Man. I actually I texted my girlfriend while I was on hold after I talked to Jared, just like freaking out and being like, oh my God, I might get on and whatever, saying that I feel like I have more of a relationship with Jared than I do with anybody because I've gotten through to at least the Jared part a few times mm-hmm. in my calling history. So even though dad doesn't know it, I've said something different every time. So he probably doesn't remember, but I I feel a special connection to Jared. So the fact that I'm, that I'm letting him down right now is it's, I'm so very sorry. Not only do I love it, but I will just inform you (laughs) that in the course of saying you feel a special connection to Jared, you did once again, hit the numbers with your face in a way that was a beautiful moment of comedy for me. Now, let me know what, what's it like to go from someone who did not, you know, as you said very beautifully, you love who you love. You're interested in who you're interested in. You didn't necessarily identify as someone who was defined by those feelings, but when they came along, you accepted them. What's that like? What's that like, that that moment of realization, those conversations? Is it slow or does it kind of just hit you out of nowhere? Yeah, like how I got to realize that I had feelings for her. Yeah, what point do you go, oh, this is not a friend. This is someone I'm in love with. Is this a ton of bricks moment that slaps you in the face? Or is this an an inkling of suspicion that that kind of brews over a couple weeks or months? Yeah, so she she loves to say that I made the first move, but she forgets a very important part of our story, which is why I, quote unquote, made the first move in her eyes. so, so yeah, we had, you know, we, she was also at this facility for a long period. We were there pretty much the exact same amount of time, um, which is why we got so close while we were there because we were watching so many people go in and out and we were still stuck there. Um, so, you know, we were incredibly close and I've never had a, like a friend as close as she was. And um, the first time after we had both discharged and we were both home. We had planned a trip for her to come visit me because the facility that we went to was 
very far away from where both of us live. So we did not live close to each other, even a little bit. Um, so we planned this trip and she flew out and she spent like a week with me or so. Um, and at this time we're just friends and everything. And, you know, in hindsight, we like laugh so much about it because this is not really things that like platonic friends do, but, um, we just had little moments here and there, um, where I guess we just exhibited more intimacy towards each other than, than typical. Um, you know, there was one night we were like watching a movie and, and a part really like got to me and I guess like triggered me in a way. And, and she comforted me by just kind of like holding me as I just kind of like got through it. And then we just kind of stayed like that the rest of the movie. So we kind of like snuggled throughout the movie. Um, and then like her last day, um, we were just like driving around and we were like holding hands and just like crying because we were so sad that like we were going to be separated again and all of this. Um, so <laughs> I thought nothing of it. And um, I don't know. I guess I just kind of thought that we are just a different kind of friend. Like we went through an incredibly difficult time together and we grew through that and I didn't think much of it. Um, but then about a month later, over FaceTime, she had brought it up and she was like, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused. Like, I don't know how to think about this. And, um, pretty much just said, like, I, I don't know if I feel differently towards you, but I'm confused basically is what she was saying. Like we held hands and we snuggled and that feels weird. Like, I don't see that with my other friends and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I had like heard her out and I wasn't super like friends of mine were like, were you freaked out when she told you that? And I was like, no, like, I don't know. I didn't think anything of it. And, um, I pretty much just said what I said to you. Like, I just think that we have a very intimate friendship and a very different kind of friendship and who's to say like what we can and can't do as friends. And if that's what makes us feel like connected to each other and comfortable with each other, then like, so be it. And like, that's that. Um, but we did say that before, the next time we saw each other, we would have to like revisit this conversation um, and just like see how we were doing, I guess, in terms of like her and what she was thinking and everything. I just wanted to make sure we were like both feeling comfortable. Um, so then maybe two months later, so we had a trip planned that I was going down to visit her. Um, and throughout since that conversation, I couldn't really like get it off my mind, like what she was saying, just like thinking about it a lot and just trying to figure out like where I that with all of it, I guess. Um, and I just noticed that it was kind of like in the back of my mind a lot. Um, and it wasn't really until the week leading up to me seeing her that I was like starting to think about her differently or like watching like a movie where two people are kissing, like, like she would come to my mind. And I was like, well, that's weird. I don't know, like whatever. So I was kind of just like, uh, like, I don't know what to, to think about this or like what this means. It was especially confusing for me because like I, this was nowhere near like my radar in terms of like who I thought I was attracted to or anything. Um, so then <laughs> pretty much my plan, which she's like super mad at me for now, but was to go on this trip and just to like gauge how I felt, like just to kind of see like, okay, like do I have feelings for her? Like, was I just like thinking it too much in my head and just like getting ahead of myself and maybe once I see her in person, I'll know and like whatever. And then I wanted to like gather more information for myself, give myself some time to think about it and then talk to her about it. Um, kind of in the same way that she did to me. I was like, she took like a month after our trip to tell me that she might have feelings for me. So maybe I can just do the same. Um, 
And then we got there, and I barely lasted 24 hours until I was like, yep, can't hold this in anymore. Like, I I think I like her. And, yeah, I, uh, I, we, when I first got there, she took me on a drive-in movie. Like, we went straight to the drive-in movies, which was, like, the most romantic thing that two people who are secretly in love with each other could do, and we were so awkward about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> like literally just like so stiff and like not touching each other and just like okay like whatever let me go ahead and pause there my wife and i recently almost went to a drive-in movie and we invited my dad so hearing how romantic drive-in movies are makes me feel very ugly he didn't want to go we wound up not going anyway <laughs> we'll be right back Thanks again to all our advertisers. Now let's finish off the phone call. Literally just like so stiff and like not touching each other and just like, okay, like whatever. Um, and then we went to this like fun little like museum where you just get to like run around like kids and just like play around and be free and have fun. And we did that the following night. And it so was dates. on that trip that I was like, I. So dates. Okay. You went on dates. <laughs> <laughs> Those are dates. Um, sure. I've been I've been in these situations. These are dates. <laughs> you mean you don't go to drive-in movies and like snuggle up under blankets with your best friend? <laughs> I don't. I, 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 like I, <laughs> I don't remember any conversations where I've been like, "Yo, bro, you want to hit up the drive-in?" <laughs> like, I don't. Generally, those have always. You're like, was, yo, bro, hold my hand while we drive. This is great. <laughs> There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, you just hit the dance. button with your face again, and Jared just ran. I, he jumped out of his chair and did a backflip. I've never seen anything like it. What? I've never was seen anything. Was I doing any- okay up until then? Yes. Um, or yes. was I pressing it? Okay. No, I will let okay, you know like literally every time for my okay. own amusement. You don't need to stress okay, about yeah, it. Okay, yeah, do it. Because, okay. I'm trying to hold my phone as close to my face as possible now. I thought holding it further away would do the trick, but it didn't. So, so you're going to drive-ins. Like you're going to drive-ins. You're yes, holding hands while you drive around. You're going to these cutesy museums that are very tactile. Yeah. Yes, and like running around like little kids and just like peeing our pants laughing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it was at that museum that I was like, yep, can't deny this. We, we do say that like in hindsight, like the second I saw her in the airport and she said the same thing about me. Like I think I knew then. But I was kind of in denial about it. Uh, so once we were at that little like museum experience, I was like, "There's, there's absolutely no denying this. Like, I, I, I very much like this girl." So that night, um, <laughs> that night we got home. We were like so sweaty because we were like literally running around this place. So, um, so like we both took showers and then. I was like laying in bed and she got in bed and we we're just like on our phones and whatever. And then I just like <laughs> snuggled up next to her and she was like, what are you thinking? Like, what's going on? And I was like, nothing. What are you thinking? And she was like, nothing. And then like three minutes of awkward silence went by of us like not doing anything and not moving. And then she was like, have things changed for you? And I was like, yes. And, and the rest is history. Damn. This is a truly modern love story. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, met in a mental health <laughs> facility and fell in love at a museum. Now, has there been any discussion of when you eventually get married, seeing if you can rent the grounds of the mental health facility to hold the marriage there? Oh my God, Chris, yes, we have talked about that. <laughs> actually getting married. <laughs> we have not talked about actually getting married on the grounds, but we thought it would be adorable if we took our like engagement pictures or something there. Like we mm-hmm. thought that would be really cute because it's really nice grounds. Like it's really pretty. <laughs> and we thought it would be funny also because we're all about the humor. Now you're going to do the photos there. Have you thought about having any like, um, and you know, sometimes people will have themes to their weddings. Have you thought about mm-hmm. any mental health facility? Like perhaps, you know, it's very popular right now to have photo booths where you wear like big funny yes. glasses and hats. Have you thought about having things like mm-hmm. sh- like straight jackets. Have you thought about this in the straight photo? Straight jackets, scrubs, like giant needles for when they like try to sedate you. Uh-huh. For sure. Uh, we, we've thought about like... like this is really... You, you really have discussed this. Oh, we, we have, yeah. <laughs> like table number, instead of like table numbers, it'll be like the town that the facility was in. And like <laughs> we, we've played, we got really into like Bananagrams. I don't know if you've ever played Bananagrams, but you should. It, it will change your life. It's the best game ever. Okay. Um we played that like at least three games of it, like every single night that we were there. Um, so we figured like during the cocktail hour and there was like cornhole and stuff. So we were like, we'll have all these games that we played there. And like the table names will be like different things that are related to this facility because it'll be hilarious. And yeah. And now I'm going to put in like all the staff members, especially the one that yelled at us for being too close. (laughs) We thought it would be fun to have her there. I'm going to make another (laughs) suggestion about this wedding. And yeah. th- this one's going to, I'm telling you what, I'm going from silly right now to softy. Okay. It is not traditional, but I hope you have a couple candles on that wedding cake. Oh my gosh. Chris. Yes. Done. We're going to blow out candles on our wedding cake. You better. Cause you missed a couple chances. Absolutely. You missed a couple chances in this life. So you get this one back. Oh, I love that. So you've already talked marriage. How long have you guys been dating that you're doing all these jokes about marriage? Okay, well, don't laugh at us. We've only been dating for for almost five months now. So it hasn't been that long. But we've been, we've been, I mean, best friends for a while. And I think that we've gone through enough, like, I mean, we got to know each other at, like, our darkest moments. So I think, like, we know everything we need to know about each other to know if, like... Jared just kicked Harry in the stomach. Jared's losing his mind with all these face beeps. (laughs) He kicked Harry in the stomach. Harry's rolling around on the floor in pain. Harry, I'm so sorry, Harry. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, I have to ask. We're five months in. You met where Mm -hmm. you met. Neither Mm -hmm. one of you has had a same-sex relationship before. Are 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 people in your life expressing any concern? No. Honestly, no. There was um there was one person we told that we were very close with while we were in treatment, um, who cares about us a lot, that when we were nervous to tell her because we weren't quite sure how she would take it. Um and she didn't express concern for it was more so just like take things slow and like protect yourselves and like don't rush into this because I think she saw us at our worst and I guess didn't want us to influence each other in a, in a bad way or 
or not influence each other, but like if things didn't work out, if we would be like so crushed that we, that we would spiral again, you know, I think, I think any concern that anybody has is coming from a place of you guys are both relatively fresh out of treatment and like are building this great life and just be careful because you don't want to like risk that, I guess. Right. Uh, You're sensitive people and maybe fair to say that past experience has proven at times fragile people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which is fair. And I mean, we've, we've also like, we're not stupid about that. You know, like we also realize that like this, could be like, like we laugh at ourselves because clearly we've both been in like way too much therapy because after, after I had like technically made the move and she asked if things had changed for me rather than just being like, yes, I like you. And then we just like kiss and like everything's like fairy tale. Um, like I would imagine most couples do, um, like when they're like, Hey, I like you. And it's like, I like you too. And then they kiss and like, that's it we had like a two and a half hour discussion about like the pros and cons of us like doing anything or moving forward before we like kissed each other or like moved on and and anything like that. So we are very like, I think we're very self-aware as individuals and as a couple to like understand where um, we are most fragile and where like we can help build each other up and where there are risks and all of that. Um, So I think we've spent a lot of time like exploring that and making sure that we're doing this for the right reasons and, um, taking care of ourselves individually and, and taking care of each other. And um, I think that's the main concern. Um, I think it would be a lot different if we fell in love at treatment. Um, Cause that I think would be concerning that we didn't take treatment seriously. And like, what if we didn't actually like work on the things we needed to work on because we were so distracted with each other where like that really wasn't the case. Um, we were very much just friends there, like very platonic. And we, we, we both say that we don't think that we think that we started dating at the time that we did because we had done enough work on ourselves individually to like be open to a relationship and be open to our feelings um, just in general and towards each other and everything. Um, So I think that we are smart enough about it, hopefully. Um, but that seems to be the only concern. Most other people were like, well, God, it's about time because we were both just like obsessed with each other as friends. So most people knew it, knew or thought they knew about it before we even knew about it. Wow. You know what I really like on a base level? What? Is that you two met at a place where by definition, if you wind up at that place, it's probably signifier that, you know, not to reduce it to the most basic terms possible, but you're not happy. And then you get there right. and you find someone who makes you happy. I think that's a pretty good... Yeah. When I think of it in those basic terms, it's a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a terrible place to be. Not just not that place specifically, but just in general um, to be at a location like that and to be in that place mentally and to find any ounce of happiness or companionship or whatever it might be that comes out of that that's positive, I say, is a win. <laughs> We're the lucky ones. Who would think that seven months spread over two years in a mental health facility would end with you saying, We're the lucky ones? Yeah. Didn't Honestly, f- if you would have told me that a year ago, even while I was there. Like, hey, just like hold it out. 
for even like nine more months and you're going to be like the happiest you've ever been. You're going to think you're so lucky for this. Like all of that. I, oh my God, I would have never, I would have never believed you. I never thought I would be in this position. And that is an important thing to note. That is an important thing to note because I've had that feeling too. When you're a few months out from something or a few years out from something and then you take a step back and you go, I never would have believed you if you told me I could be this happy. Mm -hmm. I've had that too. Yeah. I never would have believed yeah. you. I never would It's a wild feeling. And I, I used to, oh my God, I used to hate when people would say that. Like when like, I don't know, like when somebody was like telling their recovery story or like whatever, and they would come in and be like, when I was in your position, if you would have told me how happy I am now, I would have laughed in your face. Like that used to bother me so much. Like I would be like, shut up. Like you don't know, even though like they did know and whatever, but I didn't want to believe it. You know, like I wanted to be right about my life and how terrible things were and how I have no hope and all of this. So I didn't want to believe any of that. So yeah, now that I'm on the other side and I can say that that's true and that's exactly what happened to me. Well, and cause that's the other thing is it doesn't have to be a motivational speech and it doesn't have to be a miraculous love story either for anybody listening. Like I know for me, mm -hmm. those moments, you know, there, time, times where things crashed and burned for me to the point where I wound up back on medications after having been off them for a few years and, you know, mm -hmm. and then for me, sometimes it's just as simple as like, oh, some, you know, a bunch of friends were all getting together for lunch and I went and I was able to actually participate in the conversations without feeling yeah. cripplingly self-conscious and I yeah. was able to like ask people how they were doing and listen to the answers. And when they asked me, I was able mm -hmm. to be real with them and not hide and not self-conscious. And then afterwards, you know, I was walking home by myself and I cut through a park and a bunch of people were playing, you know, I saw like a bunch of grownups playing in a soccer game and I just sat on a bench and I watched for a while. Like it can be, a, for, yeah. for me, it's as simple as that. For me, it's usually yeah, small yeah, things I, that happen by myself that make me feel like, holy yeah. shit, I get to be this happy. That's a miracle. Right. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree because I, I agree. I don't want it to make it seem like because I found this love and all of <laughs> right. this that, like, that I'm the lucky one. Because even straight out of treatment when, I mean my partner and I were friends, you know, and she was a great influence on my life. But at that time I still did feel very like alone and I didn't have this like beautiful love story and all of this. Um, and yeah, like those, I think for me, and that's when I, I guess what I say when like my partner and I couldn't get to the place where we were able to love each other and to be in a relationship with each other until we did this work by ourselves. Um, yes. and it was that time, you know, like that was the time that I think I, really grew the most as an individual and out of this like dark spot that I had dug myself into for, for years and years um, of, yeah, like just those, those little things of being able to like go out to dinner with my friends and not worry about my eating disorder, being able to get out of bed at a normal time and just like watch a TV show or yeah, like any little thing that it might be. Um, I think we're definitely the most powerful for me as an individual um, getting myself to the point now. And because I did those things, then I was, much more open and happy and able to see that like life can be this thing that I can create for myself. And then that allows me to like bring other people into it, which is like why I think I'm able to have my partner now. That's beautiful. I do want to ask, you know, we just, I haven't, I will, I will say I haven't asked for too many specifics on it, A, because it's sensitive and B, 
we just had a pretty intense episode we put out with someone mm-hmm. who had an eating disorder and hadn't really spoken to anybody about it. I do have to say that right. hearing hearing you say that that this was a major factor in what you needed treatment for and that you went and got the treatment and you're so much happier now does fill me with hope. I do want to just ask, is that is that issue in particular something that you've... Um, that you feel like you're more in control of now. Yeah, yeah. So my eating disorder was the first thing that I knowingly, I guess, struggled with um, and the first thing that I sought treatment for. Um, So the first three times that I was in any sort of treatment program was a specific eating disorder program. Um, so that's the thing I've been working on, like, the longest and um, the thing that I've been struggling with the longest. Um, however, the last two summers, the main reason I guess I went into treatment and it was more for my depression and my suicidality and my self-harm, like, things like that and, and my trauma that I didn't even know of, you know, until I got there. And so many different things that um, led into it, but it was mainly that I was, you know, I, I couldn't quite keep myself safe and I was so depressed. Um, but with that, I think the eating disorder is e- the easiest thing for me to immediately go to um, to cope with all of that because, um, you know, it, it's a, an, an unhealthy and ineffective coping mechanism. And control, um, and de- so, an effort to have some sort of control. and Exactly. Exactly. So I think, um, you know, my, my eating disorder was always something that it's always something that I need to work on when it comes to like my mental health and all of that. Um, but these last two times it was almost, um, you know, at first I went to treatment for my eating disorder and there were also other things I needed to work on. And I feel like these last couple of times I've gone to treatment for my PTSD and my depression and my suicidality and all of that. And my eating disorder was still something that I needed to work on. Um, so it was severe. Like I, and I don't want to, I don't want to downplay that and like minimize it even for myself. Um, it was very severe and really scary. And this last time was probably the worst it had ever been. Um, but I think that once I started to get the other things under control, it, it helped, you know, everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was a roundabout way of saying that, yeah, things have, uh, gotten a lot better with that. I definitely still struggle with like my body image and things, but I'm, able to just like follow what I need to follow and follow my meal plan and eat my meals. And, and I'm getting to a much better place of being more like intuitive with it. So I don't have to be rigid about, um, rigidity is just never a good thing, at least for me in my recovery. So even if it's rigidity in following a meal plan and that's what recovery is, I don't even want to be rigid necessarily about recovery anymore. I want it to be more intuitive. So that's what I'm starting to work on a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much more under control now. I'm very, very glad to hear that. Very glad to hear Thank it. Thank you. I hope that uh, I hope that past caller hears it, and I I'm glad you're yeah. doing well. I hope she's doing well too. I'm sorry to yeah, bring up yeah. someone else's call during your call, but it did remind me of it. No, 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 please. Yeah. This one flew by. What a what a. How much time do we have left? One minute. Done? We got one minute left. No way, Chris. Well, you've just explained one of the most unique love stories in the history of the world. (laughs) Of course, that hour is going to fly by. You've given us a beat-by-beat breakdown of the mental health residential facility experience and then segued it into being a truly unlikely story of love. And I'm glad I got to hear it. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. This was an honor.
Oh, please. The honor's all mine. I do want to ask you one favor because we come up on 30 seconds yeah. left. I want you to just go ahead and open up the keypad on your phone. Oh, my God. And just one last time, if we could just push one of those sweet little buttons. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Here I go. Just one button? Yeah, just one button. I just want to see what happens. Oh, my God. Jared, he just opened the door to the studio. He kicked out the window of the... Oh, God. Harry, are you seeing this? He jumped Dad, out the back. window down to 40th Street. He's jumping up and down like the Incredible Hulk. He's like oh my God. leaping three oh, stories no. at a time. He's punching holes in the buildings across the street. Oh, no. He just flipped over. Jared. He just flipped over one of the food trucks out there on 40th Street. That Philly cheesesteak oh, no. truck. He just Is flipped it over. Everywhere? He picked up the Philly che- everywhere. He picked up the Philly cheesesteak truck and he he's using it to hit the hipster lobster roll truck. Oh my Jared, god. Don't do it. Jared, don't, don't do, do it. it Jared. Harry, you've got to it's stop him. You're it. the only one who can. Harry, save him, Harry. Save him, Harry. What a fantastic save him. You're the only, your only hope. <laughs> thank you for calling. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. Me too. Thanks for listening. This was so fun. Thanks for telling us about true love. Yeah. Caller, thank you so much. Thanks for the call. Thanks for being so honest about the struggles. And thanks for being so honest about the triumphs that come after the struggles. And I want to say I'm sending you and your girlfriend all the love in the world. And I hope that you continue to support each other. And I hope that it works out and I hope that if it doesn't you remain friends who can lean on each other and it was such an inspiring thing to hear about your very unusual love stories thanks for thanks for telling us thank you to Harry Nelson um, thank you to Jared O'Connell although he's currently rampaging through the streets of New York I'll have to thank him in person later when he calms down about all those beeps thank you to Shellshag for the music if you want to know about me when I'm going out on the road chrisgeff.com all my road dates stand up and live beautiful anonymous are up there want to help the show what you can do is you go on apple Podcasts, you rate you subscribe really helps when you do thanks so much for listening see you next time next time on beautiful anonymous a life of prison and drama and fights all due to an addiction that's very hard to explain do you want to hear about my shit yeah that's why they put me on this green earth to hear about your shit (laughs) cool 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 okay i am in love with somebody who's incarcerated we started dating and then a whole world of things happened and then he got put in jail but Basically, uh, I'm in a 12-step program called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Mm-hmm. For that reason, I don't have a Facebook, but he has me use his Facebook sometimes to uh, reach out to his family and let them know what's going on. So basically, I just got onto his Facebook to do some earnest reaching out, and um, I saw a conversation I didn't want to see. <laughs> That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.